Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plans. Hey, church planner. This is Peyton Jones for today's edition of Hardcore Church Planning. And my guest today is Michael Gatlin. (laughs) Did I say that right? You did. Hello, everyone. (laughs) All right. So who is he, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I want to answer to you that Michael is the Vineyard Church Multiplication Coordinator for Multiply Vineyard, which exists to encourage and empower local churches as they multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. So, Michael, welcome on. Oh, thanks, man. It's great to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. So, uh, those of you listening to the podcast, um, you, you can't see what a groovy dude Michael is. So he's, uh, he's pretty cool, man. He's got a big old beard going, uh, about midway down his chest. He's got a groovy hat. He's got some horn rimmed on, but, uh, he's, he's not a spring chicken. I mean, he's seen some mileage and he's got a lot of stories. And so we're going to want to tuck into that, but it says that he enjoys riding almost any motorcycle ever made. So right away, man, that makes you super cool. Yeah. Well, you know, two, two wheels are better than four. You get to have a lot more fun. (laughs) Centrifugal force is a gift from God. I dig it, man. (laughs) Theologically backed and approved motorcycle riding. Know it, church planner. You're already used to risk church planner. So you should know all about that. So Michael tells the, the question we always ask first off is how did you come to faith? Um, there was a gal in high school, Dallas, Oregon, that I wanted to date. And she told me the only place I could take her was to church. And I had never thought about church. I'd never been to a church. I never thought about what goes on in those buildings. Like I know that they, like after I came to faith, I realized, oh, there's these buildings all over the place where these Christians meet. But I just never once thought about it. And, uh, and so along the way, I kept asking her out pretty much once or twice a week. And finally, one Monday, she said, uh, hey, there's something going on in our high school gym tonight. You could take me to that. And I thought my charms had worn her down. But uh, no, there was a guest speaker coming. And uh, and when I asked my friends, like, hey, what's this thing I'm going to tonight? They said, oh, man, that's I don't know. It's like an evangelist, dude. And so at that meeting and then every meeting subsequently the rest of the week, I kept sneaking back in. I heard the story of Jesus for the first time. I heard about uh, the Bible. I had no idea there was a book. Like I just like I heard all of this for the very first time. And that started me on a couple months of arguing with uh, all of her friends and this youth group that had been praying for me and their pastor. And uh, eventually at the end of a couple months, I just surrendered lock, stock and barrel. I felt like the hounds of heaven were dragging me, kicking and screaming, as others have said before me, into the kingdom of God. And so... Uh, yeah, that was the beginning. That was uh, nineteen fall of nineteen seventy six. So, forty wow. years last last fall. Wow, fall man! Well, happy birthday to you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so, awesome. Gonna be uh, thirty years for me now. 
coming up. Nice. But, uh, yeah, but you know, that's cool, man. So you thought you were like a Casanova, uh, winning the girl over and she was thinking, <laughs> this is a dirt bag that needs to get saved. That's so exactly right. Perspective is a harsh mistress. But uh, from God's vantage point, he's like, "Hey, that's my son, whom I love, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring him into the family." So, let let me know a little bit, um, and our listeners, how did you get involved in church planning? So from there, I was on my way that following spring to take some tests for entering into law school, and uh, I had uh, on my way there. So I've been a Christian for maybe like at the most six months, probably more like four months, I felt like as I was praying and driving over to Salem, I felt like I heard in my head uh, what I later would call like the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I didn't create you to study man's law. I I made you to study my law. And uh, for me, those were the words like, oh man, I'm supposed to like study the Bible. So I went and took the test. I came back home. I asked a friend of mine whose name was Steve. I said, where are you going to school? He said, I'm going to this little Bible college. I said, me too. What's it called? And uh, totally changed my direction. From there, I began to get involved in ministry and just going out with a team of people. And they'd be doing drama and mime and all sorts of goofy stuff, you know, in the 70s. And uh, they'd always put me up front as the person who was teaching the Bible, even though I had just started reading it. And um, it was about a year into that, I heard a church planting story of a logger in the Pacific Northwest who was going from logging camp to logging camp, leading men to Jesus and planting churches. And I was in the back of a theology classroom weeping. Mm. And again, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, I made you to plant churches. And wow. so from the time I was 18, you know, till, um, till today, it's like, that's where I've been. Like, that's the thing that I feel like God has made me for starting new churches, new communities of faith around Christ, experiencing his, his presence, experiencing his power. Mm. And it's just dramatically transformed. And so like, like I'm in, like I'm lock, stock and barrel. This is, I've thrown my lot in. This is, this, this is what I'm about. So I can't tell because you're, you know, you're in Minnesota, it's cold there. So you have uh, long sleeves on, and I can't see your body. I don't know if you got tats. <laughs> Normally, motorcycles and tats go together like church planning and poverty. But here's the deal. You're, you're there, and all I can, you know, I tell people, like, church planting is kind of like getting a tattoo, where once you get a tattoo and you're branded with that, <laughs> you kind of you kind of don't want to stop. Like, you know, it's not just like, oh, I planted once. If you're truly a church planner, it is a lifelong affair with church planning. So I totally dig that. And I think that when one church planner meets another, myself as a serial church planner, or I like to call it a church planning ninja. Uh, but when, once I, uh, when I meet another church planner, it's kind of like a Jedi, right? You know, when there's another force user in the room, you know, you can kind of feel each other. You get a, Get a sense yeah. that that dude that dude plants churches. I totally get that. I totally see that. So yeah, there's this, there's this willingness to take risks and try things that most people would just kind of go, oh, you know what? That just seems kind of risky. <laughs> and uh, and when when I recognize a church planter, somebody that risk risk where 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 yeah. I'd, I'd like to try that. Just this morning, I was putting together a blog that was entitled "When Security Kills Effectiveness." And it's when, you know, so many times we're, we're talking about church planning, um, security 
it does not really come into the equation. It's all about risk. Risk yeah. equals effectiveness for us. So yeah. tell me a little bit as the uh, Multiply Vineyard uh, director, what, what, tell us a little bit about what's been happening in the vineyard. You and I were discussing that you guys used to have an incredible magazine called Multiply. And, uh, you know, you've, you guys have, have always been active. You were a church, you were started as a church planning movement. You've continued as a church planning movement. Tell us a little bit about what's happening in Multiply Vineyard. Um, you know, what's happening in the vineyard is actually really kind of encouraging and fun. So, um, we currently have about what, 630, I think, congregations in the U.S., and we're in 90 other countries. Uh, and there's an additional, I think, 2,500 or so churches. Like that was, that. that's from 1982, there were like six churches, you know, in Southern California. So that's some significant kind of growth there. Um, one of the things that we've done over the past uh, five years, I took over kind of leading the church planting arm that we changed the name to Multiply Vineyard uh, about five years ago. And one of the things that we've done is just began to like kind of go back to some of the DNA, the roots of who we are, that if we're not in our local churches, if we're not leading people to Jesus, if we're not discipling them, well, if we're not training up leaders in every area of ministry and multiplying those and everybody working themselves out of a job, we won't plant churches, right? It's that it's that it's got to be that grassroots DNA thing. And so a lot of what we've been doing uh, is really going back through our existing churches and re-energizing, um, re- recasting vision for, hey, this is the nuts and bolts of what uh, Christian community is really all about. And uh, it's not about, you know, creating your own little huddle group. It's not about, you know, us four and no, no more. It's not about circling the wagons because culture's going to hell. It's, you know, it's not any of that stuff. It's, it's really uh, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and then continuing to multiply absolutely everything. So like, for instance, one of the things that we did is I went back and interviewed church planners that had been around for quite a while, 10 years in the vineyard. And I just said, hey, what was your experience in planning a church in the vineyard? And man, I heard some great experiences, but I heard and my ear was especially tuned to like the horrible experiences. And then we just set to work one, one um, uh, problem at a time just trying to see what the Holy Spirit might lead us to do to create solutions for some of our weaknesses and some of the things that we've done. So in the past four years, we've planted just over 100 churches now. Uh, only seven of those didn't make it. So like that success rate is actually astronomically high uh, to only have seven out of 100 uh, not make it after four years. And, the, uh, and we're still taking like lots of risks. Like we're not just sending just anybody out, you know, we're not only aiming for the very best people. Like we're trying to figure out like, hey, let's take some risks and let's plant some churches and really, you know, uh, send people out there. We might not, this may make it, this may not make it. And uh, with the right kinds of training and coaching, a whole discernment process, we've just created a lot of processes to help make that work. So, Michael, you, you mentioned that you talked to the church planners about, you know, what was your experience what do you think is the biggest challenge today in the church planning world? So a guy coming into church planning right now, yeah. what is it you guys are trying to prep them for? Because church planning today is not like church planning 20, 30 years ago. Not at all. 
No, it's not. No, no. there's, well, it, it's, it's, it's not like it and it's exactly like it. And so in, in one sense, it's exactly like church planning in the book of Acts, right? I mean, we're, we're still doing the exact same thing. We have the power and the presence of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Who wants to transform people's lives and the kinds of things that humans struggle with haven't changed that much. The kinds of internal insecurities and addictive behaviors, it's like that stuff's pretty much all the same. Um, culture has radically changed and different media, like what we're doing right now, has radically changed. Like the way that you can interact with people and the speed of which information flows is like drastically different. And so in some senses, it's not dissimilar at all. In some senses, it's a completely different world. Um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, you know, so, I, th I think that you've really hit on something that's important. So, uh, you're speaking my love language now because, uh, I wrote a book called church zero Ching, and, uh, that book is all about first century team church planning. And then I've got another one coming out, um, which is called reaching the unreached Ching. The rules, if you plug your own book on our podcast, you have to say Ching because it's a shameless plug, but I'll never have to do that. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's good, man. It's good to cha-ching. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, the the reality is, um, in that book, I talk that exact same thing, that we are much like a, a postmodern world. This is like a pre-Christian world. And yeah. the good news is, is that we are equally as dependent on the Holy Spirit. And I swear to you, if I have to go to another conference where the guy's talking all about you got to do this and that and understand your market demographic and do this and, you know, hone your vision statement and all. And these are the keys to success. I'm probably going to puke because yeah, that's exactly right. if only Luke had thought about these things. So I appreciate you <laughs> pointing out the continuity that yeah. in one sense, it's, it's very different, but we have timeless principles laid out. Luke we wrote do. acts to say, Hey, boom. So, so that's encouraging automatically. That makes me a little bit hungry for what you guys are offering. Cause I see on your shelf, the, the listeners can't see it, but I see church planning manual back there and I'm guessing that's yours. But the reality is, um, if, if a planter comes to you guys and he says, Hey, train me, how do you train church planters? What is the multiply vineyard? You know, what's that look like? Yeah. So like, uh, like three three basic things. Um, I I think that church planting doesn't really happen through. I mean, you can learn a lot of great stuff through reading, and I love to read and I love to study. Uh, church planting happens kind of face to face, you know, life on life. And there's something that there's a lot of stuff to teach, but man, there's some stuff that you got to catch. Yeah, you know, so some stuff is better caught than taught. And when training church planters, it's like you got to be doing uh, both of that. And so. One of the things that we've done is we've developed residency programs in local churches where we're helping to provide a bit of the curriculum, but then it's the local pastor who wants to reproduce their church who is actually doing a lot of the delivery that's not internet-based with that church planner and leading them through stuff. So there's got to be kind of that face-to-face, life-on-life, real challenge about some of the hardest hardest issues of our lives, you know, um, so pressing into that stuff. And then another kind of series of buckets I use to think about training is uh, can be summed up in the three words, knowing, being, and doing. And so as we're training church planners, and people use kind of different words to express this, but as we're training church planners, we, we have a, a bucket of knowledge that we want to pass on. And it's not just knowledge theologically, um, although that's key point for us, 
Um, it's all, I mean, you got to know the scriptures, you got to know kind of theology, but then you've got to, you got to know the culture and what's really going on around you. Mm. And you have to like know yourself, you know, self-awareness, you got to develop some of that stuff. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I would put in the knowledge category. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff I'd put into the being category, which is all about, sometimes it gets defined minimally as only spiritual formation. And I think spiritual formation is you know the the disciplines of the spirit and 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 growing and becoming the kind becoming more Christ-like. I think that's incredibly important. But mm. then I think of all of life formation, not just spiritual formation. And so like you got to be able to handle money well, and like that means you got to be able to like you start doing you know you, you're actually like pressing into that and you're allowing yourself to be formed into the most godly man, godly woman. That, that Christ is directing you to be so that you can be the kind of leader that's leading from a place of integrity and wholeness and fullness. That's the being bucket. And then the other bucket is the doing. There's a bunch of stuff you got to learn how to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like learning to learning to talk to somebody one on one and share your faith is really different than doing it in small group. And it's really different in this context versus this context versus this context. And then learning how to actually do the work of discipleship, bringing them from one place to another and seeing them actually, you know, press through that. And so what we do is we're training church planners is we have a kind of a list of things that we're working on in their lives, things that we want to accomplish. And then I take a look at where we are in each of those things in the knowing, being, doing category and then begin to work it across the grid of number one, do they get this? And then number two, are the people they're discipling, do they get it? If I go interview their disciples, would the people that they're meeting with one-on-one actually have the same stuff I'm trying to pass on to the planter? And then third column is if I go interview their small group, if I tell them to take a week off and I go to the small group uh-huh. they're leading, does that small group actually embody wow. what church planner is? And then last column is can they create not just a disciple-making environment, but groups of disciple-making environments? And so, like, if they're overseeing four small groups, I should be able to go to any of those small groups and look for these things being Mm. reproduced in that small group. Then I know I got a church planter who's actually ready to get out there and start doing some stuff. They're going to actually reproduce this thing. You know what? It it makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what we do when we train. So I I formed a network years ago called New Breed. And uh, no cha-ching necessary for that. That's exactly. People will come to us and they would say, you know, uh, can you train us to plant a church? And I think, listener, what's really important for you to hear is this idea of, yeah, we can, but you got to come with us. So it's not, you know, take my course, read my book, uh, join my free webinar, um, you know, join this membership class. It's literally like Paul said to Timothy, hey, want to go on an adventure? I'll train you, but you got to come with me. You got to yeah, be all exactly. in. You got to be invested. Like you said, the only way to get trained to church plant guys is to church plant. You know, yeah. go with somebody who's That's church right. planting. Be a be a Timothy to a Paul. And uh, I love that you guys have that hardwired in. That's really important. So, uh, and and there's something not only biblical but immensely practical. I mean, you guys can't see the library behind Michael, but uh, I was telling him before we started, he's my favorite kind of Pentecostal charismatic. I don't know if I can use these labels for you, Michael, but um, I I, I embrace all the labels. Yeah, baby. And and 
But but you're my favorite kind because he knows stuff. Like I see Wayne Grudem sitting on a shelf. Like this is a dude who reads two to four books a week. He is theologically robust, but open to the Holy Spirit. And I told him, you're dangerous. That's a good kind of danger, right? That's danger to the kingdom of the darkness. So here's, here's, here's what I want you guys to, to understand is that, um, multiply vineyard. Um, I think if you're not, uh, a vineyard church and, and, and what we always try to do with these interviews is if you hear something that's resonating with you, then we encourage you to go the next step and maybe either get in touch with Michael or contact Multiply Vineyard. Michael, how do they do that? Michael at multiplyvineyard.org. Okay. So it's really it's really difficult. Michael at multiplyvineyard.org. Cha-ching. I don't know. Does that <laughs> you can cha-ching. Like I said, it's good for the soul. But uh but yeah, okay. So straight to the you'll talk to Michael himself and um you will be blessed to do that. But guys, um, also too, uh, I want you to hear, we're going to ask two more questions, one serious and one is the question you know is coming. But, uh, the, the, the serious question, Michael, is what is it you guys are looking for in church planters? What, what's important that you see in them? I think, I think you've already tipped your hat a little bit, but if you, if you talk about church planting today, what is it you're looking for in a planter? Well, you you can't give away what you don't have, right? And so you can't you can't take people to a place you haven't been. And so one of the key things that that I look for in church planners is there is a deep relationship with Christ mm. that really informs uh, and has transformed really every and is transforming every single part of their life. And um, I, I find I find that there's two things generally that end up disqualifying planters or, you know, things don't work. And they're they're not that complicated. And the, the first one is they're just not coachable. Right. And so they they pretty much there's a there's a pride. There's a hubris there that I got this all figured out. You guys all need to get out of my way. Man, I can't tell you how many number the how many people I've met like that mm-hmm. who not doing ministry today. And, and there, you need to have this incredible teachability. Mm-hmm. There's one Lord, none of us are him and uh, we all get to follow him. And so I'm looking for that teachability, that coachability, you know, aspect. And then the other thing that really derails is a lack of self-awareness, yeah. a lack of what being into the room. When, whenever one of us walk into a room, we bring something. Yeah. We're like upping the temperature or we're become, you know, we're an icicle, which is easy here in Duluth. I mean, we've got lots of those. Around. So it's like you're changing the temperature of the room, knowing what you bring to the room and being willing to actually allow Christ to use you in any room that you go into rather than your insecurity or other things getting in the way. And so those are the two things that derail. And you can have a really great relationship with Jesus, but without those two things, it's like, it's, it's, it's not going to work very far. So I'm looking for that relationship with Jesus. I'm looking for a few character things like that, 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 that we do. And, and, uh, and, you know, honestly, almost any personality style, almost any kind of anything else. Uh, I've seen really great church planners that are all over the board with everything else. So true, uh, man. So there's not, there's not like a, there's not like this mold. Yeah. I, I love that you've brought up, you know, it's, it's that humility is the, is the beginning, you know, of wisdom. I know it's fear of the Lord, but that, that creates the humility necessary 
So yeah. I love that. It's so true. So the question I have for you today is, um, and this isn't the, this is the question before the question. Um, who would you, <laughs> who would be, and it doesn't have to be a church planner. Who is your top like inspirational hero of the faith out, outside of the Bible? Wow, uh, I have I have so many people that come to mind. I'm going to grab just one name, Dallas Willard. Okay. Uh, da- Dallas Willard was a uh, he was actually head of the philosophy department for a while at USC. Wow. He was in their philosophy department. He wrote some of the best stuff. And when you read about other people's interactions with him, um, oh, book is slipping my mind. It's it's on my. Uh, wife's desk at home that I just finished reading. I can't remember the name of it, but you read some of the other people's interactions with him and the stuff that he was like, and, uh, the way that he had that deep, deep relationship with Jesus. And then you read some of his philosophical works, you know, that unless you're pursuing your second PhD, you have no clue what they're talking about. <laughs> it's like, it's just like the, the guy was absolutely brilliant and totally completely, surrendered to jesus in every area of life and he's a brainiac no. brainiac i know all right well cool yeah, that here's was, that was actually a decent movie for me in the early 80s i like <laughs> we won't talk about that i wasn't supposed to watch it but i watched it <laughs> so hey um okay so if you this is the question that everybody waits for on the podcast if you and dallas willard were to get into a physical fist fight who would win <laughs> <laughs> I would just let Dallas win. Yeah, I like, can hear no the respect coming through. Hit me, there's, Dallas there's no, Willard. Punch me. There's no, there's no way I'm going to hit him. I'm just yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. From from the respect <laughs> I hear you lay down, sometimes we'll get smack talk. And it was unfair for me to ask you who your hero was and then say who's going to win. But um, uh, sometimes we just pick people. And with you, you're you're a little enigmatic. I was trying to figure you out. Who could I who could I hit you with? Who could I pitch you against? And our, our listeners would know, but looking at your library, you know, you're, you're a bit of a boffin, as the British would say. You, you read, you're, you're, you're in a, in a respectful way. You're a bit of an egghead and I am too. So, um, here's the deal is, uh, I, I hear that respect coming on strongly. And so I get it. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna count it an honor for him to smash your face. Oh yeah. I just like, if he feels like he needs to, if that's what needs to happen, <laughs> there, you know, I learned long ago that, and, and I think this is really important for planting. There's nothing that's going to come at me that doesn't come through God's hand. Amen. Like I'm just totally into his sovereignty. And so if there's something that comes at me, then he thought it worthwhile. And so bring it on and let's do the next dance. Right on, man. And I love the fact that, you know, you know that Dallas Willard would hit you like a genius anyways. You'd learn something from how he hit you, right? I watched I watched somebody at a pizza parlor get in an argument with him. And uh, in Chicago, he was doing a conference. And I watched uh, this young guy just start kind of, you know, chomping back at him. And uh, I was probably in my mid-30s. And I watched Dallas just in the most gracious way possible just dismantle that kid. Wow. And, uh, and I thought, wow, like someday I'd love to be able to do that. And for me, it doesn't always come across loving when I do that. Like, like I don't have the, I don't think I have the formation yet that Dallas had, but it's like, oh yeah, that guy is amazing. So Dallas wouldn't even have to, he wouldn't even have to physically tie. He could just do it with his, with his mind. 
So I was, I guess I got to tell you this one quick story, right? And uh, I'm sitting at a conference and like I had read the divine conspiracy like three or four times through one summer. It was in the top of my reading pile and I didn't get to a single other book. So I'm sitting at this conference and I open up my laptop. He's getting ready to speak and he just, he just stops. And he says, I want everybody to put away your note taking utensils. Like just put them away. He goes, Jesus didn't have the disciples ever take notes. Like they never just wrote anything down until years later. And yet it transformed their lives. I want you to really listen to me this week. Right. And so, yeah. and I'm, and I'm not putting my laptop away. I'm like, dude, like I have been waiting for this for like a year. I'm sitting in the second row on the aisle. I'm going to take notes of what he says. I'm not putting this stuff away. And and as he's talking that people are kind of, you know, he's going about it for a while. People are starting to put stuff away. And all of a sudden I realize he's standing right in front of me, like oh, three wow. feet looking at me going, so can we get started? Or are you going to put that away? <laughs> <laughs> so you've come close to having your face smash. And Hey yeah. brother, I know you got to go. And we've so yeah. appreciated your time. Again, that was Michael at, was it multiplyvineyard.com? Dot org. Dot org. All right. Well, great. Hey, our guest today has been Michael Gatlin from Multiply Vineyard. And this has been Hardcore Church Planning. Arnold, sign us out. That's it. And then we have Arnold come on and he says something, but I know we're, we're at time. But look, I'm going to send you a copy of my book as a thank you for being on here, which is so, thanks, highly man. vain of me. But being that you like books, do you want a Kindle or a hard copy? What works best for you? Oh, I like hard copy, as you can tell. Okay, brother. It'll I be have about on- that many on my Kindle, but you know, I like I like hard copy a lot if I can get that. Okay, well, I'll ask Beth um, to give me an address to send it to you, and awesome. then uh, it'll be on its way. Cool. Thanks, Peyton. All right, brother man, I'll let you go. I know you're a little bit late now. Thanks for your yeah, time, man. All right, All right. bye. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.